Hello my friends, Red here, and you're listening to Low Pressure Weather, Small Talk to Sleep To. As always, I'll be your friend who keeps you company while you try to drift off, or at the very least, relax. I promise to not be so interesting that I keep you awake. It's early June while I record this, a balmy 44 degrees today with lots of rain. Where I live, we have a great deal more sun than rain, and it's been rainy every day for the past three weeks. The next few days will be rainy too. I am a fan of rain and prefer to stay out of the sun. My morning old man walks have been nice and chilly and brisk. I even get to wear my raincoat, which is usually just hanging in the closet gathering dust. I experience a lot of fatigue, and when it's rainy, it feels like I was made just for this weather, or that the weather was made just for me. I spend my time on any rainy or sunny day drinking hot cups of tea, flipping through a few books, and playing so much Tears of the Kingdom on the couch. But lately it feels as though my hobbies and the skies are in sync. How do you spend your rainy days? If you'd like to share, send over an email to lowpressureweather at gmail.com and tell me all about it. This queer weather has been a rather hot topic around my town. Locals sharing stories of their destroyed plants, photos and videos of hail and lightning. One of my neighbors shared what they had learned about our current weather situation. Apparently, there are three weather systems just doing the somersaults above us, recycling the weather every day with no end in sight. We do think the sun will resume in a few days. To honor this queer weather, I've found uh, some delightful accounts of students' queerest days from 1902. Most of the submissions were centered around odd or unexpected weather, and we'll also hear of several other queer weather occurrences from history. The Journal Junior, supplement to the Minneapolis Journal, Saturday, April 5th, 1902. Excerpts from About Odd Days, Queer Times When Northwestern Juniors Thought Either the World or Themselves Bewitched. Topic. A queer day. Why? If all juniordom were to agree upon one sentence describing queer days and were to shout it from the housetops, the world would without doubt ring with these words. It never rains, but it pours. 
no matter what the circumstances, the day seemed to be full either of a host of small oddities or overflowing with a great one. The weather offered perhaps the greatest variety in queer, unexpected turns. Very often, bright, clear days changed suddenly into dark, gloomy ones while thunder and dust storms or blizzards raged. There were snow and hailstorms in July while hailstones as large as goose eggs and teacups. There were all styles of twisters. One of them whirled a house a quarter of a mile without injuring anyone. There were also winds so hot they scorched leaves black and made someone's blood boil. A prairie mirage with three suns was described as a queer natural happening. Days of small troubles and great ones too, when either the day or people seemed bewitched were innumerable. Then juniors did all sorts of queer things or seemed to be pursued by an evil genius. They fell into mud and water, lost and broke favorite articles, and have nightmares and dreams which made their hair stand on end. There were great fires and a shipwreck, a haunted house, and a book of mischievous ghost stories. An eclipse, surprise parties, and a day of idleness were also queer. One day seemed queer because wood was to be piled. A girl made salad dressing with ginger instead of mustard, and a boy who tipped the molasses over on himself thought he was in a barrel of tar. Another junior declared, it always makes me feel desperate to have to wash dishes, but the very funniest statement was made by a girl who traced her life back to the year of one. One dark day, irritable mixture of measles and medicine. Oh dear, how queer everything seems, I said to myself when dark, rainy day last vacation. The morning had dawned bright and clear, but about ten o'clock the sky had clouded and it had begun to sprinkle. It seemed as though it had rained simply because we girls had arranged to spend the day at the lake. Everything in the house seemed trying to tease me. I had a headache and felt so cross, I did not know what to do. When I sat in my favorite chair and tried to be very quiet, the provoking thing seemed determined to rock. The people in the pictures frowned at me and looked as though they would like to shake me if they could only reach me. Finally, I fell asleep, only to dream that they all came to life and reached out 
and tried to grab me. My grandfather had just leaned out from his place on the wall, whistling, you when suddenly I awoke just as a gust of wind went whistling around the corner of the house in a voice remarkably like my grandfather's. Instead of feeling better after my nap, I felt worse. My face felt and when my mother came into the room, she said, Why, Ruth, what is the matter with your face? It is all broken out. Run for the doctor. When that much dreaded person arrived, he looked at me a moment felt my pulse, and turning to my mother, bowed and said, Ahem. Ahem. Measles, ma'am. Measles. Just give the child a good dose of Rochelle salts after each meal, and she will soon be all right again. Two dollars, if you please, ma'am. Then, with another bow, he bustled out, calling, Good afternoon, ma'am. Good afternoon. This was the winning story submitted by Ruth Lowe, 8th grade of Two Harbors, Minnesota. Back to Mother Earth. About three years ago, I experienced what might be truly called a queer day. I had been night watchman on a railroad bridge for six years and had spent my days in sleeping. By close attention to business, I had managed to perform my work for two years previous to the day of which I write without missing a night's work. But no amount of vitality could stand the strain, and I was ordered to take a vacation. A substitute was found to fill my positions, so that I was released one night at 12 o'clock. I walked languidly home and slept until sunrise. Eagerly, I rushed out into that beautiful May morning. Never did air seem more bracing and never had grass looked so soft and green. The birds appeared to be singing solely to welcome me back to earth, as it were. I could not restrain myself, but jumped and frisked like a lamb at play. I revisited the familiar pastures where I had once roamed. How dear they were to me. What 
strange emotions were awakened as I waited once more in the old creek which gilded softly through a grove of tall elms. It was long afternoon when I returned for dinner. Such an appetite as I had. That one summer morning had revived me more than all the medicine I had taken for weeks. I have since spent many pleasant days in rambling over familiar grounds, but none has ever impressed me so strongly of the blessings of the sunlight and that day. This was written by Wyram R. Mitchell, 12th grade of Prairie du Chien, Wisconsin. It never rains, but it pours. It had been raining all night and the morning was cloudy and windy. However, my spirits did not exactly coincide with the weather, for I felt fine. Little did I know when I started for school that morning that I was to have such a series of mishaps. When I was about halfway to the school and was walking along, sky-gazing, I found myself suddenly seated on a muddy crossing. My books calmly reposing in a mud puddle nearby while my cap was sailing off in the opposite direction. I managed to pick myself and my belongings up after a while and I again started on. First, satisfying myself that no one had witnessed my dreadful calamity. I had the worst of luck that morning. Report cards were distributed and the fact that I received a minus in self-control did not exactly serve to make me feel any better. I was scolded in every class, though I am sure I do not know whose fault it was. After a while, I began to think that there was something in the old adage, it never rains, but it pours. But the last straw that broke the camel's back was at basketball practice after school when I nearly broke my nose and hurt my hand and my knee. When I went to bed that night, I thought to myself, this certainly has been a most singular day and something quite out of the ordinary. That was written by Hattie Hotland, 
ninth grade, Ada, Minnesota. Two imitation suns. The queerest day I remember was in June about three years ago. There was a mirage and one could see everything for miles around. The trees seemed to stand on their tops and there seemed to be water above them. In the morning, there were three suns, the real sun and two shadows. As it grew later, the sun on the left of the real sun disappeared. Then a great cloud came up and covered the real sun. In about five minutes, the cloud left the real sun and coerced the sun on the right. It was very interesting to watch the changing of the weather. Then the trees and buildings and many other things began moving very fast towards me. In a few seconds, they looked as though they would run over me. I watched a team that was on the road about half a mile away. First, the horses went up in the air, and then the wagon and all went up, and there seemed to be water under them. It was not long till the wagon and team were standing upside down. Even the horses and other animals in the pasture were standing on their heads. When it grew dark, the mirage went away and a storm came up. That was written by Kitty Graham, sixth grade of Warren, Minnesota. Thundering Bouncing Hall. About four years ago, when I went to the country school, I passed one very queer day. This summer day was rainy and misty in the morning, but that did not keep me from going to school. The storm was nothing out of the ordinary until about noon when the wind began to blow so hard and whirl the rain in so many directions that many of the pupils left their dinners to watch the growing tempest. Soon, little bits of ice were falling with the rain. These quickly changed to large chunks which thundered on the roof and bounced to the ground. This thundering and bouncing of the hailstones lasted for about three minutes. When the storm cleared away and the sun shone brightly, it was well for us that there were shutters 
on the school windows for they kept the hall from breaking the window glass and coming into the room as it was. Many of the slats on the shutters were broken. This storm did much damage by breaking windows and cutting down the vegetables in the gardens and the grain in the fields. Even the bark on many trees was split. The day seemed queer because such a great change and such damage were wrought in a few minutes. That was submitted by Mary McCarran, 10th grade of Minto, North Dakota. Rain in all directions. March 15th, 1902 was the queerest day that I ever knew. The days preceding were warm, and I thought spring had come at last. When I awoke in the morning, I heard the rain come pit-a-pat on my window, and I did not like it in the least because I had planned to go away. The wind blew hard, and everybody who ventured out of doors was apt to come in very wet, for it was raining in every direction. It was almost impossible to carry an umbrella. There was danger of going for sale in the air. In the afternoon, the rain stopped, but the wind kept blowing. After a while, it snowed a little, but not enough to amount to anything. This was the queerest day that I had ever known, because when it was raining and blowing outside, everything seemed to go wrong inside. When I went to bed, it was still blowing and raining. That was written by Marguerite Neal, 7th grade, of Red Wing, Minnesota. In the sunny south, a queer day reminds me of a day last May spent while we were in Missouri. As we were going to town, we passed a woman and two children who were walking and carrying their shoes, intending to put them on just before they reached town. Going a little farther, we met a boy on horseback who said, the roads would be a right smart better if we had a powerful good rain. When we reached town, we had just stepped into a store when in came a tall, thin man who said, I want some of that 
backer there. I want it to chaw. In payment, he gave the clerk ten tags. Then came a woman who, after looking around a while, asked how much potatoes were a bushel. The clerk replied, $1.75, and asked if she would take a bushel. She said, no, I guess I'll take three cents worth. That seemed like a queer day to me, as I am a Minnesotan. That was written by George Puckett, sixth grade of Pelican Rapids, Minnesota. Monster Hailstones. One Sunday during July, about three years ago, we had very warm weather and the sun shone brightly. The sky was clear, but in less than an hour, it became overcast with great black clouds, the wind coming from the northwest. At first, it seemed as if a cyclone were coming, but it commenced to rain very hard. Then hailstones appeared. These were almost as large as teacups. We had two windows broken, and there were hundreds of window panes broken in town. It was very dangerous to be out of doors while the hail was falling. In about an hour and a half, the storm was over, and the sun came out again. The strangeness of the day was due to the sudden changes of the weather. That was written by David Peterson, sixth grade of Sandstone, Minnesota. A lightning change The queer day I spent was stormy. It was a day in June off the coast of Mexico. I had been seasick from the start and thought I would go on deck. It was not like one of our mornings being dark and damp. I had not sat there very long when, almost in an instant, as if a large curtain had been torn from the sky, the sun came out. I was blinded at first by the sudden change from inky darkness to the intense glare. In a few minutes, the clouds and rain were gone, and the wet decks and parts of the ship were steaming as the sun dried them. I shall never forget that day, and I think no one who ever sees such a sight would forget it very soon. That was written by Ray Sims, sixth grade of Worthington, Minnesota. From Playful Clouds. The queerest day 
I ever experienced was that on which the Sunday school held its annual picnic. The day dawned bright and clear, and a fine day was expected. We were to meet at the church at 10 o'clock, and a farmer was to take us to the grounds. It was about two miles to the place of enjoyment, and some of the children who rarely have a ride on a hayrack were looking forward to a great time. It rained about this time, and there were many tears shed among the smaller children. But it failed to disappoint the boys who said it would not last long. The storm lasted about an hour, and then the sun came out in its brightest light, and we started for the grounds. Nothing happened at the grounds except many children had wet feet and so obtained a scolding from their mothers. We had a good dinner and a fine time, but the farmer's face wore a troubled look and all knew the storm was expected. The clouds seemed to be chasing each other around as if in fun. Children began to cry and ask for protection while the older people tried to quiet them. This continued until about nine o'clock and then it snowed and continued until the day was ended. That was written by Lysel Curtis, eighth grade of Manterville, Minnesota. In a twirling twister. The queerest day I ever saw was a day spent while I lived in a valley which was pretty and green. I was playing among the trees that did not move even the least bit from the wind. I was watching the birds when all at once a cyclone came up. As I could not reach the house in time, I took a good hold on the roots of a tree and stayed there until the storm was over. Then I went up the hill and looked around, but I could not see anything. I began to be frightened and ran all around, and after a long while, I found that the barn, the house in which we lived, with all other buildings and the folks, were carried away about a quarter of a mile, but no one was hurt. That was written by Paul Trapp Jr., 8th grade of Big Stone, South Dakota. True Lemonade Weather One of the queerest things that ever happened in my life occurred on a hot, 
summer afternoon when I was at the lake. It was so hot that no one could think of doing anything but swim or drink lemonade. I was 10 years old and up to that date I had never been in the least bothered with any fear of lightning and thunder or with the fear that every black cloud would turn out to be a cyclone. But on this hot day, while playing cards on the front porch with a friend, I met my Waterloo. The sky was a clear blue except for a bank of black clouds on the horizon which grew larger and larger as time went by. So the sky was hidden from sight while distant mutterings of thunder foretold a coming storm. Suddenly the lifeless leaves were shaken and the rain came down in torrents. A clap of thunder sounded overhead and a loud voice was heard crying for the cornfield, a cyclone. It was my little sister and she made a dash for the door, but was stopped by my big sister, who also lost her presence of mind when the cook, with a pan in one hand and the black cat behind, coming like the wind, rushed upon us. Down to the cornfield went my two sisters and the cook, and where our leaders went, my friend and I followed. After two minutes of cooling off our panic, and up to the house we went again to find the black cat spinning around in a puddle of water. Everyone laughed at us, and we never sought safety in a cornfield again. That was written by Kenneth Harris, 8th grade, who lives at 1878 Lindell Avenue, city and state unknown. Are you still awake? Our next article is from the Arizona Republican. It's the morning edition, July 23rd, 1895. If you're curious, it was a Tuesday. Queer Freaks of last Saturday night's windstorm. It was frolicsome as well as destructive. Lumber merchants think it was a special dispensation. Miraculous escape of a child. A tempe man tells how he was turned around the storm of last Saturday night performed some queer freaks and in a small way did considerable damage. The main force of the storm fell northeast of the city where it is said the windstorm came in collision 
with the electrical storm. It was stated in Sunday's Republican that lightning struck a couple of houses, but old timers say that no such thing occurred because lightning was never known to have struck anywhere in Phoenix for the reason that the magnetic influence is more powerful in the mountains and attracts all frolicsome and skylarking bolts that might otherwise have a tendency to visit Phoenix and its environs. The lumber firms have no particular kick coming against the storm, for all day yesterday, farmers drove into the city after each lumber, each one requiring all the way from 100 to 1,000 feet of material with which to repair damages. On the contrary, the lumbermen are inclined to look upon the advent of the storm as a special dispensation to enliven their business. The flagpole that surmounted the courthouse has gone, whither no one knows. At any rate, it is gone. A house belonging to T.H. Maddox, four miles northeast of the city, was lifted off its foundation, and a house belonging to John Montgomery was blown down. But there was no woman buried in the debris, as first reported. The damage done to the asylum was not the result of a visitation from an eerie lightning bolt, but solely the work of the wind. That nice new porch being erected around the institution was partly torn down. The storm struck the residence of Mrs. F. W. Smith, three miles from town on the Tembe Road, with unusual severity, and her little babe had a narrow escape from being killed. The babe was asleep in bed when the room in which it lay fell in. Bricks fell on the bed in great numbers, and strange to relate, the babe did not receive a scratch or even awaken from its slumber. The canals were full of trees and brush, and a large force of men were kept busy all day yesterday in cleaning them out. Marshal Clark also had his chain gang at work removing the trees that were felled and lay in the streets. A tempe man who was returning home from Phoenix in a buggy, had arrived near the asylum when the storm struck him in all its fury. In relating the story, he said that the air was so full of dust that he could not see, and when the rain had cleared the atmosphere, he found that his horse was jogging peacefully on his way back to Phoenix. Gosh, he said, do you know that damned cyclone had picked up my rig and turned it completely around, and it was done so quickly that I did not 
even feel a jar. The latter part of his story is discredited, but as he told it with evident sincerity, it must be so, or else it was all fired strong whiskey. Our final article this evening is from the San Juan Prospector, October 3rd, 1891. It was a Saturday. Queer weather. For two weeks past, rain has fallen almost every day in the vicinity of Del Norte and in quantities greater than ever before known at this time of the year in this section. The old-timer looks with much surprise upon the changed condition of things and is at a loss to know whether to credit the rains to Melbourne. The government rain forces, or the increased farming and irrigating operations in the valley. One thing is certain, the fall of 1891 in the San Luis Valley will be noted for some very queer spells of weather for this section. Heretofore, the rainy season has closed abruptly with the first heavy frost. This year, the rainy season has extended far beyond the first frost and to all appearances has not ended yet. What is the cause of it? A political gentleman suggests that the heavens are weeping over the People's Party resolutions in Rio Grande County, but this is hardly probable. Well, if you're still awake, I hope you've gotten in some good relaxing and have enjoyed these historical recounts of queer weather as much as I have. I hope I have pushed my queer agenda far enough. Happy Pride, my friends, and until next time, make sure you're bringing your umbrella.